Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Thank you for joining me again today. Today I'm going to be in our Beauty of Grace series, and I want to continue with Lesson 73, The Concert of Grace. As we see how we are serving our Lord in His field of the world, as his ambassadors and his priests, ministering on his behalf, clothed with his holy righteousness, in a lifestyle of obedience, awakened daily to listen and follow his lead. Now let's further discuss the fact that he does lead us and we are not serving alone. There is a concert of grace. We are not on our own. So today, let's consider this topic. Mostly, we tend to think of the word concert in regard to a symphonic or musical event or a performance of some kind, usually a public or a private event. But concert has another meaning as well. It speaks of agreement, harmony, or accord. Agreement in design or plan. Union from mutual communication of opinions and views. From this aspect, let's consider how there's a beauty in grace in this concert aspect. We've seen so many things in this study already, and we are drawing to a close as we explore some final special beauties of God's amazing grace. So as we are God's children, His church, and His royal priesthood, Today, let's look at the concert of grace in the fact that we are not alone in this life. Even if we are single, divorced, or widowed, there is a mutual union with our God in His family in a love relationship. There's somewhat, you might even say, of a partnership with us and with the Lord Himself and His Holy Spirit. Let's understand a few things from the Bible about this today, and we'll look at two particular things. But first, I want us to look in Acts chapter 15, and I want to read several verses here for us to think about in regard to this concert of grace. In Acts chapter 15, I'm going to begin the reading in verse 6. But what has happened is that the apostles are now ministering to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are getting saved, and the Holy Spirit is being poured out among the Gentiles. And so there are some Jewish people in the church that say, whoa, wait a minute, they've got to be circumcised and they've got to come now and do the law of Moses. We've got it. We've got to put this on them. They've got to basically become Jewish. We got to proselytize them. We can't let them be out there just believing in Jesus Christ and being born again without keeping the law of Moses. So this is the issue that arises. And the church council is now going to take this up in a meeting of the leadership of the church, in a council meeting. So I want us to look at that. In verse 6, it says this, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, 
purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James, now this is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is now a leader in the Jerusalem church, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. In that passage, he's quoting from Amos chapter 9, where Amos had prophesied about these things. Continuing in the reading, Acts chapter 15, verse 18 and forward. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Notice in here, now I read the long swath so that you understood the context of where this comes from, but they are having this council meeting to address this issue of these Judaizers and this question of what we might call today Torah observance among Gentile free believers, those who've just believed in Jesus Christ by faith. Notice in this passage how they have sought God's direction and they base their decisions based on what God's word says. Boy, does those points preach. We've got to do that ourselves. 
But notice how also they were sensitive to note and obey God's response. Because look at in verse 28, it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So there was a concert. There was an agreement and accord. They sought God. God answered them. The Holy Spirit confirmed it, witnessed in them their heart. And there was a concert that was attained, agreement in the needed response that they had to do. And then they wrote the letter and delivered it to them and, and so forth. So here we see grace providing a concert, an agreement with the Lord in the leading or directing of answers that were needed in prayer. The Holy Spirit will do several things for us. The Bible has already told us Jesus himself spoke this. But one of the things that the scripture says that the Holy Spirit does is it will witness as to God's leading in our hearts. If we are sensitive and we learn his voice, we can become what a horse is called, it's neck reined. And when a horse is neck reined, the master of that horse, the leader, the rider of that horse, simply has to lightly touch the side of that horse's neck with the reins, and that horse is so sensitive, it will do exactly what the master is asking it to do. It has become sensitive to that rein, and the rider has been sensitive with the rein. The rider has simply taught that horse and has developed a relationship with that horse, and the horse trusts the rider. So when the horse feels that light touch, it knows what its master wants because he's learned that from his master. It's the same thing with shepherd and sheep. In the old days, the, the shepherds will take their flocks to the well, and there would be a gathering of several different flocks and several different shepherds at the well. But the shepherd would call for his sheep, and those sheep that were his, when he called, would come to him because they knew him and they knew his voice. In John chapter 10, I want to read verses 1 through 5. It says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is telling us here in John chapter 10, he is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd builds a relationship through spending time with his sheep. When we spend time with our shepherd, we build that relationship and we begin to learn his voice. We learn his voice and that comes many times now through the prompting of the Holy Spirit within us that is witnessing of the voice of God to us 
Now, we've got to be careful in these days because there's a lot of spiritualism that's going on that has nothing to do with God. It's demonic. But there is a real voice of our shepherd that we can learn and we can become sensitive to hear his voice and not follow the voice of a stranger that we do not know. And we can learn to recognize his voice. After Jesus rose from the dead in the garden there where he was buried, he was there, he was pretending, so to speak, to be a gardener. Mary Magdalene at least thought that he was a gardener, and she did not recognize him until he called her name, until she heard his voice. And all he had to say was, Mary. And she knew his voice, and then she recognized him. So God's sheep will know his voice. The Holy Spirit gives us that witness inside. Sometimes it's a check inside. Sometimes it's like a, a buzzer or a red light flashing to warn us. He will give us either leading or warning at times. He'll, he'll tell us what's right. He'll tell us what's wrong. Both are needed in our lives, and he will supply both as needed in our lives, for he is that witness. Another thing that the Holy Spirit will do for us is that he will lead us by joy and peace. Yes, he gives us that check inside sometimes to know this is the way to go, this is not the way to go, or whatever. But he will also lead us with joy and peace. And that's one of the ways we can know if we're headed in the right direction about a decision that we're facing. In Isaiah chapter 55, I want to read verses 9 through 12. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Here the Lord is telling us that one of the ways he leads us is with joy and peace. Without these, we might better stop and question and seek God for direction or even perhaps confirmation on a journey when we have decisions to make. Gideon, for instance, did that with his well-known fleece that he put before God. Others did that as well. They would seek the Lord for direction. David would inquire of the Lord, do I go up against this particular enemy or not? He would inquire of the Lord. So when the Lord, when we know the Lord's will, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, it will be accompanied by that joy and peace. And when we don't have that about a decision, it's probably a good thing to seek the Lord some more for direction or for confirmation. In Romans chapter 8, I want to also read verse 14 through 16. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself 
bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So here we're told that the Holy Spirit is like a GPS for us. He leads us along and bears witness. In other words, he will corroborate with us. He will confirm with his own testimony of that witness of the Spirit. He will testify jointly and give us the evidence, the surety, the joy, and the peace, like a GPS, so to speak. The GPS, as long as you're following it, you don't hear much from her until it's, you know, time in 20 yards, you know, turn left or in 1,500 feet, you know, be prepared to turn to the right or take this right fork or whatever. But if you get off course, then this GPS will kind of instruct you to turn around. You'll hear the little do little um, or to go a different way. It'll recalibrate, redirect, etc., because you've gotten off the path. The Holy Spirit is similar in our lives. He will bear witness with us. He will give us the joy and peace needed when we're on the right path. He will warn us when we get off course. He will work in our lives. He will convict us when needed. He will lead and guide us. So the first area of this concert of grace is this witness and agreement with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts, it said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So he will give us areas of direction and answers to our prayers and our questions. Also, in prayer for needs, the Holy Spirit will work in agreement with us and will help us. Let's look a little further down in Romans chapter 8, and let's read verses 26 through 27 and a few other verses as we look at this particular aspect of the concert of grace. Romans 8, verse 26 and 27 says this, Likewise, the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Then in verse 31 through 34 of that same chapter, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And then Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore he, meaning Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. This is Jesus' current full-time ministry. We might say 24-7, 365 or 66 days a year, whatever your calendar is, full-time, Jesus is ever living to make intercession for his people. 
So there are two in agreement with us as we pray. There's a concert of grace working with us as we pray. The Holy Spirit and Jesus himself, both are interceding on our behalf. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. He helps us and he even leads us in our prayers so that we are effective in our prayers. James 5.16 speaks of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person and how it avails much. It does something. It changes things. It actually works. It has or exercises power or force. It accomplishes things. The Holy Spirit and the Lord intercede for us and with us and also lead us in our prayers. Jesus spoke many times as well as giving us his own example. He gave us the model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's in effect a model prayer. It's the main model that we can follow where he honored God and brought to the Lord the petitions and gave God praise. The Holy Spirit also prompts us in prayer. He leads us to pray according to the word and the will of God. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 speaks of praying in the Holy Spirit in the fixed position of being in him, in accordance with him, in accordance and agreement with the Holy Spirit's will and the word of the living God, following his leading, praying in the Holy Spirit, definitely following as he leads us to pray, because he's the one who knows the mind and heart of God, and he's the one who knows the will of God for whatever the need is you're praying for. So the Holy Spirit and the Lord himself intercede for us and lead and guide us into prayer so that our prayers are effective. Notice this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It also says this here. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So there's confidence in our prayers because we are praying in concert with the Lord. We are praying in concert with the Holy Spirit who knows the mind and the heart of God, knowing the will of God and leading us in how to pray. So when we pray according to his will, we pray in agreement with his will, with his word, in Jesus' name. And we know that we will have our prayers answered. Jesus spoke about praying to the Father in his name. So what does that mean? It's not talking about some formula, just tagging the words in Jesus' name on the end of a prayer and knowing that that's going to be answered. No, it's not that kind of thing at all. In the Bible, we have to understand that a name is powerful. A name represents the essence of that person, the character of that person, the nature of that person in reality. And so that was why many times the Jews would name the people, their, their children, certain names. Sometimes it was almost prophetic or it spoke about their character or their essence. It meant something. And so with Jesus, we are praying in his name according to his character according to his nature, according to his essence, according to what he would want 
We're praying in agreement and in harmony and in concert with him and his will. And when we pray in such a manner, and we know that we are praying in agreement with him and with his will, it gives us confidence when we are praying that way. The concert of grace brings great comfort and confidence because we are not alone. We are like that threefold cord that Ecclesiastes speaks of in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that's not easily broken in concert and in agreement with the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus himself. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing you can join us again for future remaining episodes of our Beauty of Grace series God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.